Hello everyone, welcome to episode 22, Receiving the Fullness of the Holy Spirit, Dispelling Religious Misconceptions and Misunderstandings, so that you can receive what has been freely given already. So many are simply unsure of what it means to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and I am very sad to say that there has been so much misinformation and religious prejudice against the Holy Spirit that there is more wrong information than true sound scriptural foundation. So this episode is dedicated entirely 100% to dispelling every single myth and religious stronghold that the enemy has tried to erect in the minds of believers against the Holy Spirit. And once I have torn those down, I will show you from the Word of God, out of the mouth of Jesus Himself, how easy it is to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father that was sent 2,000 years ago for each and every one of us. Jesus said, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He did not say, if any man is thirsty, let him pray for rain. Jesus also said, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Listen, the enemy does not want you to believe that it is as easy as asking the heavenly Father and receiving Ask and receive. It really is that simple. It's that easy. You come as a little child to your Heavenly Father, and you ask, and then you receive. Jesus made that statement. He said, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give? Give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. A little child wanting something does not go to his father and wonder, if, uh, if will my father give me something bad when I ask for something good? Or, or maybe he'll just tell me I don't deserve it. Or maybe he'll make me work for it. Or maybe my father will just make me wait and wait and wait, wondering if I'll ever get what I asked him for. But Jesus was very specific. He said, if you being evil, I know I'm reading again, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more abundantly so will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So, folks, the first step is simply erasing your doubts and misconceptions by the word of God. And bringing you to that place where you truly understand just how simple and easy it is to simply ask your loving Heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit and then like a trusting little child simply receiving Him. Now, I have shared in previous episodes, without the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you, as the New Testament clearly reveals as the perfect will of God for each and every believer, then you are left alone with your unrenewed mind 
to try to decipher spiritual truth in the Word of God. Now, remember the scripture I shared in episode 21 yesterday, where Paul said, We teach spiritual truths in spiritual words taught by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.13 Yes, you were born again, but your mind still needs to be renewed. And that could take an entire lifetime, depending on how diligent and cooperative you are with God in the renewal process. Stop and just think for a minute and answer yourself honestly. How many hours a week do you spend in the Word of God? Not minutes, but how many hours? Do you know for sure just how much your mind needs to be renewed by the Word of God and to what extent? Are you able to do a very realistic and honest assessment of the extent to which your mind still needs to be thoroughly renewed by the Word of God? What would you base your diagnosis on if you were to even begin attempting such a thing? On whose wisdom and insight would you base your diagnosis on? Your own? How would you even know to what extent your mind is still unrenewed by the Word of God? Now, I'm not trying to wear you out, but I'm trying to get you to clearly understand the all-encompassing need for the Holy Spirit to be the one indwelling you, the third person of the Godhead being in charge of renewing your mind, because He knows what the mind of God is. You don't. And He also knows your innermost thoughts, and what areas your mind needs to be renewed in the most. So if you were able, dear believer, to yield and submit and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then you should have no problem yielding and submitting to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit, right? So with all of this in mind, let's look at the full context of what Paul was actually saying in 1 Corinthians 2.13, and let's apply it to this conversation we're having right now. Okay, so Paul says, We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Look, look at just that, the 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 treasure in just that one sentence. The Spirit who is from God. How could we not trust Him? How could we be reticent? How could we hold back? How could we have any trepidation whatsoever? It's the Holy Spirit who is from God. The God you've trusted for your salvation to promise you the glories of heaven. That same God that you're trusting for all of that How could you not trust him for the fullness of the Holy Spirit? That we may understand what God has freely given us. Listen, apart from the Holy Spirit, you will never, ever be able to tap into all of the treasures of God's blessings and spiritual places. Remember, it says in Ephesians, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. But who shows you and reveals to you all of those heavenly blessings? It is the Holy Spirit. 
And this is what we speak, Paul says, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The natural man, the carnal man, the man who is shaped by the five senses in this world, the natural man does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And I encourage you to look up that passage in 1 Corinthians 2 and just spend some time really meditating on that and getting that into your spirit. So, again, let's look at three things in quick succession. So, first, Paul says, We have received the Spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. So, again, like I mentioned before, without the Holy Spirit, we have no insight into the spiritual things that God has freely given to us. And Paul confirms that in this statement when he says, And this is what we speak not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truth and spiritual words. Now, Paul goes on to say that we teach and speak of these things given to us by God, using words given to us and taught to us by the Holy Spirit, because we have to have His spiritual language to impart his spiritual truth. This is spiritual truth that does not originate from man. It originates from God. So we have to have the Holy Spirit to reveal these things to us on a spiritual level rather than you getting it second or third hand from some preacher behind a pulpit. Where did he get his understanding from? His mind or the Holy Spirit? More than likely his seminary or his denomination. So, and I apologize if this might be a little burdensome for someone to listen to, but what I'm trying to do is to painstakingly break this down so that those who might be having an issue with the need for the Holy Spirit might come to realize their absolute need and total dependence on the Holy Spirit. I know the Western mind does not really like to humble itself or admit it's wrong, or admit that it's not the center of the universe, or admit it might need some help. We Westerners can be very proud, proud of our self-sufficiency, proud of our ability to figure things out, but we are talking about the things of the Spirit, which do not originate from the human mind or the human realm. So, Magellan, you're going to need to step back from the wheel of the ship and let the Holy Spirit guide this particular voyage because you don't even know where you're going. So, point number three, Lewis and Clark, is why you need the Holy Spirit for his omnipotent and omniscient direction and guidance. Again, the natural man does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him, and he cannot comprehend them because they are spiritually discerned. So again, this life, we need the Holy Spirit 
to guide us and direct us and without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and his ongoing revelatory personal guidance, guidance that is made personal to you every bit as much as your salvation was made personal to you. Without that, you do not have a chance of living the Christian life successfully as God intended. And I will say that again, without the Holy Spirit, without his indwelling you, his ongoing revelatory guidance in your life, you have no chance of living the Christian life successfully as God intended. I spent the first five years of my Christian life doing the best that I could. I had been dramatically born again. I had a vision of Jesus being crucified for me while I was camping in Germany. I did not even know what being born again was. I didn't know what a vision was. Nothing like this had ever happened to me. I was raised in the dead Presbyterian church. We sang the old hymns every Sunday while the organist played her organ music. That was all I knew about God. And five years, though, of walking out the best I could my relationship with God, trying to read my Bible and feeling the tension between my mind's ability to comprehend the word and assimilate it and live it out was horrific. Um, I have heard uh, really good men and women of God describe their experiences in other countries, in ministering overseas, talking about how easy it was for the people they were ministering to in other cultures to receive like little children everything they taught. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, getting healed, getting delivered, because those people were so open and so hungry and so receptive. But those same missionaries and ministry people then turn around and come right back to the U.S. or wherever, and it's the exact opposite because they can't get people to simply open up, believe, and receive as a little child. We are too much in our own mind running our own life. I spent some time tonight trying to meditate on that particular situation and uh, why it is so and what is the primary root cause. And I believe in looking back over the last several decades of my own life and observing trends and how we as Westerners behave that the root problem in a nutshell is that we only feel comfortable when we are in control of our own life in every aspect, period. Think about our business world. We've always had our day timers, our day planners, our scheduled meetings. We schedule our business activities and follow that schedule. We plan vacations. We plan trips. We pretty much plan everything. We have our do lists that remind us of what we need to do. Yeah, we're taking our guidance from a piece of paper. (laughs) We have our religious programming. We decide what church we want to go to. We decide what time we want to go. We decide where we sit in that church. We decide how much we participate and in what way. We decide when to stand, when to sit. 
The worship team has their worship all planned out. The the pastor has his sermon all planned out. We have everything all planned out. Why would we need to yield to some invisible being called the Holy Spirit? And honestly, if we were (laughs) brutally transparent with ourselves, the thought of yielding to some invisible person called the Holy Spirit scares the crap out of us because we are so used to following our own mind in every other aspect of our life. We are so used to planning and programming everything. We are scared to death of what it would feel like to move our butt out of the driver's seat and let the Holy Spirit sit there and drive and run our life for even five seconds. So is it any wonder that when it comes to the subject of the Holy Spirit, it's a subject that scares us, makes us nervous, makes us uncomfortable, because it means we have to give up control. And folks, I believe that's the bottom line. Why do you think Jesus said us, you come as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You have to give up your control. How much control over their life does a little child have? They're not even thinking about running their life. They're wondering, you know, if they could eat dessert before dinner or if they could stay outside and play for an hour longer. We do not have a childlike heart most of the time when it comes to our relationship with God. We inwardly are so rigid and in control that God would have to hit us upside the head with a two-by-four to get us to open up to some of his direction. Now, I'm not trying to get heavy-duty here, but may I suggest to you that that mindset, that, that fear of giving up control, is the fruit of a satanic principality that has spent decades and decades and decades and decades of programming us against the third person of the Godhead. I mean, just look at the context of what we are even discussing right now. We're discussing trying to find a way to get Christians to become trusting toward the God they say has saved them from sin. We're trying to find a way to get those same Christians to trust God, not to give them something bad, when we talk about the Holy Spirit. He was good enough to save us from sin, but he's not trustworthy enough when it comes down to giving us the Holy Spirit. He might give us something that will make us lose control of our life. Do we see the insanity of that? Now, I'm not saying these things to bring condemnation to anyone. I'm just trying to pull back the curtain and shine the light on the nature of this problem in the Western church. And I hope, I pray, that you can see and understand what a high price, spiritually, we've all paid for this. If Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, and yet we have a culture that slams the door in the face of the Holy Spirit that he sent, um... What do you what do you think? <laughs> what do you think we're in store for? I mean, how much of the abundant life do you think we've been enjoying? I would scarcely say none. Most Christians are suffering just like people in the world 
from emotional and mental distresses, anxieties, oppression. And here we are. We're Christians, man. We're Christians. But instead of experiencing healings or deliverance or the peace that passes all understanding, we're experiencing the exact opposite. And precious folks, this is exactly why. Take a look at all the instances in the Old Testament where God set a clear choice before his people and said, hey, choose blessing or choose cursing, choose life or choose death. Choose my way or (laughs) choose your own way. Old Testament prophecies, the repeated statements of Jesus himself, the apostolic letters, all make it abundantly clear. The Holy Spirit is meant to be front and center of the life of every single person professing faith in Jesus. There's no optional lifestyle offered or mentioned. You can't find it in your Bible. In other words, the Bible you hold in your hand, dear believer, does not recognize you living a life without the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And don't let that religious spirit whisper in your ear that that means I'm insinuating you're a second-class Christian. Rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. Tell it to go back to hell, all right? If you want proof of what I'm saying, just look at the Gospels. Look at the book of Acts and remove every single mention of the Holy Spirit. Remove every single instance where the Holy Spirit did anything through anyone and see how many pages are left in your New Testament. Remove every mention of the Holy Spirit from the New Testament letters of Peter, Paul, etc. I guarantee you, your New Testament is going to get really small really fast. Now, oh, (laughs) I need to remind you of something. We are not the only ones on this planet. There's a very, very powerful fallen angel who has legions of fallen angels under him. Do you really think we're any kind of a match without the Holy Spirit? Yes, I know there's lots of religion-minded believers who like to say, oh, well, they're all defeated by Jesus, so we don't have to worry about them. Oh, really? Well, someone forgot to inform the Apostle Paul about that because he went on and on about our spiritual armor and how we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, uh, let me see, oh yeah, principalities and powers and spirits of wickedness in high places. The reason, brothers and sisters, that I am on this subject like I am, is because I am contending for your spiritual inheritance. I'm contending for the spiritual inheritance of your family, your children and their children after them. The spiritual inheritance meant for you and meant to be passed on by you to your children and descendants. I know what's at stake. I know how serious this is. And I feel the absolute, complete, and total hatred of the enemy against the Holy Spirit and against the body of Christ. I mean, can you imagine if every believer in North America was suddenly and dramatically baptized in the Holy Spirit? We would have the book of Acts on a nuclear level. Now, don't you think the enemy is going to work day and night to fight From that ever happening, that would be his worst nightmare. So, okay, let's look at some scriptures that clearly reveal in a very pinpoint way uh, 
the very personal relationship the Holy Spirit of God is meant to have with us. So John chapter 14, verse 17, Jesus said, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he abides with you and will be in you. If you've got your Bible open to John 14, 17, underline that word and circle it in red, in. He will be in you. That's the Holy, that was the Holy Spirit's destination when Jesus said those words. Because he knew he was going to the Father, the Holy Spirit was going to be sent to be in you. 1 Corinthians 3, chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but only as worldly, even as infants in Christ. Going back to John 14, verse 26, Jesus says, But the Comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Now, we shouldn't need any other words to build our spiritual house on other than the very specific words of Jesus. When he said concerning the Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things. Six words we should have committed to memory and buried deep in our heart. The Holy Spirit is sent to what? He will teach me all things. How much is all? Well, usually the word all means all. It's all-inclusive. I know there's a clever little meme that cessationists like to pop on uh, Facebook all the time or Instagram where it says, if you want to hear God speak to you, open your Bible. Well, that's not what Jesus said. He didn't say, I'm going to send the Bible in my name. The Bible is the Word of God. It says all Scripture is profitable for doctrine, etc., etc. But the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. And the Bible is to instruct us in the way of salvation. It's profitable for reproof, etc., etc., as Paul said to Timothy. But the Bible cannot, you cannot open up to chapter and verse and have a verse tell you what you should do today or where you should move or should you marry that person or etc. It's not going to give you that personal, specific guidance. The Holy Spirit is sent to teach you, lead you, guide you into all truth. God, it's like me giving my wife a long, long, long love letter telling her everything I love about her. And she's supposed to have a relationship with that letter, not me. I'll, I'll be back in a, in a few years, but right now you've got, you've got my letter. So when you're feeling lonely at night, just hug the letter, um, give it a kiss. It won't kiss you back because it's just a letter, but you know, you've got that. And hey, the, the, the letter says everything that I feel. So that should be enough. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you comfortless. I will send you the Holy Spirit. God wants an intimate, 
personal relationship with each and every one of us. He can't do that just through his the pages of his Bible. They had the Torah, they had the scrolls, and Jesus said, these things are written of me, and in them you think you, you have life, but here I am right in front of you. The scriptures testify of me, but you want to murder me and crucify me. So, the passages that I'd really like to see us take to heart, John chapter 16 and 17, and 15 actually, um, there are probably no other chapters in the Gospels or in the New Testament that show us to that degree the personal relationship the heart of God towards us in the Holy Spirit. And now as we get, begin looking in John 14, keep in mind, Jesus has already told his disciples he's leaving them to go back to the Father. These men who have lived with him for three years plus are suddenly going to be without his presence, without his companionship in their day-to-day life as their Messiah and friend. Right now, they are all in a state of absolute shock and heartache, knowing that the moment is coming when they will be completely deprived of his loving companionship. In verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and he shall be in you. Now, listen, this is Jesus speaking. The initiative began with Jesus. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. So this whole subject of a relationship with the Holy Spirit and having the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. That all started with Jesus. So do not feel in any way shamed by any religious people that are scared to death of the Holy Spirit. Do not feel in any way intimidated or inferior or undeserving. Oh, why would why would God want to have an open relationship with me and and talk to me? I mean, I'm nobody. I'm I, you know I'm I have sin in my life. I'm not a good person. Well, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit needs to be inside you so He can start working on things. You've been trying to change things that you don't like about yourself in your own strength. You've been trying to do the Christian life in your own power, and it's wearing you out. It's time to say, Holy Spirit, you know what? I was not meant to drive this vehicle. It's yours. I surrender. I welcome you. Now, I really appreciate the way Jesus worded it here. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. Jesus said, I will come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That is the Holy Spirit indwelling us, filling us with the revelation and the knowing in the most 
intimate sense possible that we are one with the Son and the Father through the Spirit. Read Ephesians 2.18 and Romans 8.16. Okay, again, Ephesians 2.18 and Romans 8.16. The Holy Spirit indwelling us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as the prophets foretold, and as Jesus spoke of, and as was demonstrated in the book of Acts and in the epistles, fills us with the abiding spiritual awareness that we are the children of God. We are accepted in the beloved, as it's written in Ephesians. The spirit within us cries, Abba, Father, bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And that's from Romans 8. It is a spirit-to-spirit relationship, not a spirit-to-mind relationship, and that is all important to understand. Remember, Jesus said and declared very plainly that the Father seeks those to worship him in spirit and in truth. The Apostle Paul said it very similarly when he said, I, When I pray in an unknown tongue, it is my spirit that prays. My mind does not understand what I'm saying. No man understands what I'm saying. But in the spirit, I am speaking mysteries to God. That's your first priority. Your first business is communing with the Lord spirit to spirit. He made you for himself. He did not make you for everybody else. He made you first and foremost for himself. He wants a personal relationship with you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, and then he sent his Holy Spirit. We are so conditioned to think of ourselves in merely physical terms because we live in a physical body. We have contact every day with a physical world, with other physical people, whom we can see with our physical eyes and hear with our physical ears and speak with our physical mouth. But God is spirit. And he seeks spiritual children who are born again of his spirit from above, which you have been. And he has made full provision for us to have spiritual communion and converse with him. And that should make perfect spiritual logical sense. Hebrews 12.9 says he is the father of our spirits. Now, didn't God in the garden create plants and creatures, everything reproducing after its own kind? That is the creative order of God as creator of everything. Everything reproduces after its own kind. Well, we were made in the image of God who is spirit. Therefore, it is our spirit man that is of the utmost importance to him. And it is with our spirit that we commune with him, converse with him, and he with us. This is completely fundamental to everything pertaining to us being children of God. This is the most basic truth in the New Testament. The fact that so little is taught on this is heartbreaking to the Father beyond my ability to put into human words as a believer of well over 43 years. The fact that so many Christians live as orphans in the Spirit, 
struggling with all their might to try to live the Christian life while feeling cut off from any sense of God being their father personally, spiritually feeling like orphans, and struggling to find some sense of true connection with him spiritually through whatever means at their disposal, whether it's going to church all the time or other religious rituals to help them feel closer to God, but all of that is outward. Jesus said he is with you and he will be in you. There is just absolutely no more succinct way to state that in the human language other than the way Jesus himself stated it. That is the divine intent of the Father for his spirit to be within us, his children, so we can engage in and enjoy full, unrestricted relationship with him. That, in and of itself, is the fullest intention and expression of what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. As Jesus said in John 3, 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus goes on further. And I'll get ready to dig into this. Jesus goes on further to reveal the heart intention of the Father with regards to complete unfettered spiritual communion with us in John 14, 21. He says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him or reveal myself to him. And again, that is spirit-to-spirit fellowship and communion. Jesus even states this again in verse 23. He says it again in like two verses. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. It doesn't get any more personal than that. This is not a head relationship, a mind relationship, an intellectual relationship. It is spirit-to-spirit relationship. It is the Father and the Son revealing themselves to their children who are walking in obedient fellowship with them on an ongoing basis. They're not playing hide-and-seek with us. They're not looking for reasons to keep a part of themselves hidden from us. It's actually quite the opposite. Now, Jesus, speaking again of the relationship with the Holy Spirit, says this in verse 26, John 14, 26, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Not coincidentally, in verse 26 of chapter 15, because we just read chapter 14, 26. In verse 26 of chapter 15, Jesus speaks again concerning the Holy Spirit, saying, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, 
he will testify about me. So numerous times, Jesus has made it abundantly clear that he is sending the Holy Spirit and the Father is sending the Holy Spirit. So what can possibly be the outcome for a professing church that rejects the Holy Spirit whom the Father and Son have sent? This is the tragic situation with the Western professing church, and it is something they will pay dearly for. It does not matter that they have not considered the eternal ramifications of what they've done. They've done it nonetheless. Now, for all intents and purposes of this podcast ministry, it is part of my God-given assignment to continually bring the light to shine on this subject for every individual believer that might tune in and listen because you do not have to be numbered, as it were, with the spiritual transgressors of the Western professing church. And it is my calling, my ministry, my assignment to continue to give voice to everything that Jesus said of the Holy Spirit who cried out with a loud voice saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And I am making sure that his invitation continues to echo and echo so that all who thirst may hear his call. All you have to do is respond. So I want to take a moment to pray for those who are spiritually (laughs) at the point of dying of thirst. Dear child of God, if you are intensely spiritually thirsty and desperate for relief, I have good news for you. Jesus is standing and crying aloud. If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And may I suggest you don't walk, but you run. To get all of the living water he has to offer to you personally, individually, to the fullest. As Jesus said to the woman at the well, whoever drinks of this water shall never thirst again. That desperate, overwhelming spiritual thirst that you have been suffering for so long. Living in a desert drought of spiritual agony can be over tonight, right now. Just with a heart of expectancy, with a heart ready to receive, with the mind that is childlike, humble, meek, yielded, willing, open, just say, Father God, on the very words of your son, Jesus, who said that you will give me the Holy Spirit, that you will give the Holy Spirit to all who ask. I am coming to you now, Father God, on the words of your own Son, Jesus. And I'm asking you to give me the Holy Spirit in all of His fullness. Fill me to overflowing. And and I don't want just enough of the rivers of living water to satisfy my own spiritual thirst, Father God. I want it running over. So I can minister the same living water to others who are just as drought-stricken as I've been. Father God, I believe what your word says, that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And I come to you right now, Father God, believing with all my heart that your promises are 
true that you are a good heavenly father and you want to give what is good to your children. I open my heart wide to receive from you, Father God, right now the rivers of living water of the Holy Spirit into my innermost being. And as I feel the rivers of living water of the Holy Spirit welling up inside me to overflowing, I will raise my hands to heaven and I will give you the voice of praise and worship in my new language from the Holy Spirit as I become that worshiper that Jesus said you seek, those who will worship you in spirit and in truth. And I will worship and praise you in spirit and with my spirit as the Holy Spirit pours forth from me as living waters. And as you have prayed this prayer in simple, childlike, joyful faith, your loving Heavenly Father is responding by giving you His Holy Spirit. So just continue to praisefully worship the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to move through you and to bless you with the presence of Jesus in His glory and holy power. Spend all of the time you need with him personally and allow him to bless you as completely and as fully as he wants to. I truly look forward to hearing your praise reports of your renewed and empowered relationship with the Holy Spirit. Praise God.